Welcome to HTM Insider again. My name is Sherelle with Multi Medical Systems. I'm your host. And today we have Mark Newell, which I'm excited to have you as a guest, Mark. Of welcome to HTM Insider. Hi. If you'd like to take a moment and introduce yourself to everyone. Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Mark Newell. I'm the uh, Director of Operations Support for Advocate Aurora Health's Healthcare Technology Management Program. Uh, I'm about a 30 year veteran of healthcare technology management. I spent my first uh, about eight years as a technician directly and indirectly in my leadership roles as I support my staff. I've done repairs and training on equipment service up until probably the last two or three years. Oh, wow. Quite a history, quite um, the long-term experience that you have there. So it's great to have you on and share your thoughts on right to repair and what's going on in Illinois. So what does right to repair mean to you, Mark, and, and what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, for right to repair, to me, it means the ability to fix what we own. For hospitals, it means when we buy something, we can purchase any service manuals, software keys, or specialty tools and technical training so we can self-maintain. Uh, it lets us provide redundancy and support options. You know, it's us, the original equipment manufacturer, or both in tandem. Um, it lets us uh, be in control of our equipment replacement cycles. So we can continue to fix stuff and maintain it after the OEM discontinues their support and allows us more options for providing timely, affordable, safe patient care. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I, I want to ask you now about some struggles. So, you know, I, I see it, right? I see it from even the rural hospital aspect, um, even into a division that's near and dear to my heart, surgical services, endoscope repair, on the pressure from the OEMs to the, you know, independent service organizations. So can you share with us some of your struggles that are occurring in your facilities and in your, in your area? Sure. I mean, from a high level, we've seen an increase in OEMs not offering service manuals and technical training for new product with no options to purchase at any price. Uh, we've also seen it when manufacturers buy other manufacturers through mergers, acquisitions, and they discontinue training for an existing product. Overall, this erodes our ability to, to be timely and cost-effective in support of our equipment. We steward the resources to ensure saving on some services, say here, to offset those other services there we offer as charity to those patients we serve. Um, as of 2019, I think we did around $2 billion in under, underinsured uh, charity type work for the community we serve as a whole. Wow. Wow. And, and do you find prices are just going up and they're um, unattainable, especially in your situation from the OEM um, service contracts and the, the prices are going up when there are no, when the manufacturer knows there are no options and they will price things such that, uh, as an example, they'll say it's X amount per PM. You need four PMs a year. You do the math, those four PMs cost more than the whole full service agreement does. They do it to force you. So it's a guaranteed revenue stream. Right. It must be kind of frustrating, you know, in your position is trying to manage that budget and provide patient care. Yes, it is. Um, 
when we've looked at with patient care, you know, during COVID, when it was really going, of course, now it's going again, uh, it was very pronounced initially, mainly due to manufacturer staff being out sick, in some cases, delays due to access, you know, to the equipment, due to the infection control processes put in place by manufacturers in the sites. You know, there was parts availability, uh, you know, and supply chain issues as a secondary problem, you know, mainly due to warehouse staff, you know, for the ordering shipping side and the factory people being out sick, nothing was being made. You know, outside of COVID, it's generally been delays in service staff being available. I suspect due to manufacturers tightening up their financial bottom line and limiting staff in the region to provide service. And also very likely uh, with the typical challenges, same typical challenges hospitals face, you know, dealing with staff turnover, retirements, and time off for family or illness. Right, because we all understand, especially in this industry, there's a shortage of qualified experienced biomed techs, especially when you get to the higher um, imaging equipment, you know, ventilators, ultrasounds. I'm sure you guys are experiencing that same struggle as well. And how is it affecting patient care? It affects it in that if there's something we can't get trained on and we're reliant upon only the OEM, it's a delay. And some manufacturers, uh, even with a full service contract, can be 24 hours on site response. Uh, some can be longer. We've seen 48 hour. Uh, we've seen manufacturer solutions where they'll come back and say, well, here's what we can do, say if you're a demand customer and it's X amount of thousands of dollars for an expedite fee if you want to move to the front of the list to have somebody come out. That's what it is. And if there's no third-party solution and you can't get trained, you are stuck in that situation of waiting for an OEM to show up when they have someone available. And it could be days. So you're on bypass of the state. You're not treating patients. You know, you're deferring care. Deferring care and, and loss of revenue, right? It's loss of revenue, but the first and foremost, it's the patients that suffer. You know, somebody may have had a stroke, somebody had a heart attack, somebody needs to get something done before they can be, you know, they be screened and pre-approved to go in for a, another surgery to help them with a health condition. They can't get it done mm -hmm. because you're waiting for service. Or you have equipment down, now your ORs are backed up because you're waiting on the vendor to come out to service something. Which creates a whole other problem. Yes, yes. It, it's not to be um, over the top, but it is. it comes down to patient safety, ultimately. I, no, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, do you see or can think of maybe if you had anything in the world you could do, what would be the solution that you would offer, Mark, to, to work in conjunction with the OEM, right? Patient, yeah. patient care, patient safety, first and foremost, what would be a solution? Well, I think first off, I think the solution right now, it, because of all the right repair legislation that's out there being considered state and federal level, I think it's important for legislatures to be shown the entire picture. So they'll come to the realization that besides the federal regulations on the books for manufacturers of equipment for what they do, there are also state and federal regulations in place pertaining to the patient care providers and owners of the equipment. These regulations tie to CMS, conditions of participation, 
related accreditation requirements, maintain licensing, provide care and applicable standards and codes around how things are maintained. Uh, that said, I, I believe there should be a requirement for manufacturers to provide that technical literature, training, especially software, et cetera, to the owners and service the equipment for a fair and reasonable cost. It can be as simple as using existing master service agreement, master purchasing agreements in place in the industry to help define fair and reasonable costs for equipment owners. It could be as a compromise to the manufacturers. It can be uh, like a different approach with the independents. One price for the owner, one price for the service provider, but to provide it. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, I think you know, something like this can allow the care providers who own the equipment to provide the timely care, you know, create more brand loyalty because if something's easier to fix and less costly maintain, it tends to get purchased again and allow the care providers to extend the life of their capital expenses by allowing them to maintain and operate a larger fleet more effectively and in turn have more equipment available to provide quality, safe, timely care to the patients served. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. Like if you could get it done, how do we sit down with those OEMs? How do we get, how, do we need an arbitrator? Do we need, a, is this kind of like, you know, divorce court? We need somebody to arbitrate what's going on here. Um, how, how's that gonna work? Well, there, there have been some things set up nationally um, regarding between manufacturers and service providers. And uh, that's going slow. My understanding is some of the lobby groups did peel off uh, from that. And hence why there's, it's a two-pronged approach at the state and federal level. You know, again, for, I would ask, you know, for like Congress, you know, take a look at the regs currently in place, you know, for the healthcare providers. Because I, I think more rules on the device owners isn't needed. I really think it's, it's again, it's the awareness of what is already in place. Um, what is needed uh, to better serve the patient community overall is affordable, timely access to care. By requiring manufacturers to provide support literature, training, et cetera, at a fair and reasonable cost, that would help ensure that, uh, that need to, uh, the patient community is being served is met. Um, and apologies, again, it's like a broken record. It's, we just need to have access. Right. Uh, I think I think there's been several false flags raised, you know, around this stuff by the opponents to right to repair. You know, one is cybersecurity, and what's interesting is it's the manufacturers that make the patches uh, for cybersecurity for their product to make them available. So if a hospital has internal service staff, the hospital's not going to go forego installing a patch, you know, to protect its patients and its own operations. So if there's cybersecurity to me is a moot point, as long as the manufacturers are making it, the customers and owners are gonna have it installed. They'd be wow. foolish otherwise. You know, from fear of modifications, I've heard that from some of the opponents. You know, there's federal regulations in place around medical equipment modifications. You know, now if a hospital or service provider modified something to be out of compliance with the FDA regulations that stipulate, you know, devices are supposed to be underneath FDA 510K, Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be many legal problems, to say the least. For sure. I just don't foresee that happening. I mean, not to say never is never, um, but I know this industry pretty well. And uh, patient care, patient safety is top priority. And I've never seen anyone try to shortcut any repair, any PM process that could harm a patient, right? Right. Right. Usually when something goes sideways, it's a bad actor, 
not a bad company philosophy per se. Uh -huh. It's that individual that they made a poor choice at that point in time. So in Illinois, uh, are you guys looking at a, a vote currently? What does that look like as far as, is it going on a ballot? Can you update us there? Long story short, they're making sure it's a mutually agreeable uh, bill that addresses the concerns of the customers, hospital owners, and the concerns of the manufacturers. Because I think really a lot of this is compromise. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want it for free. Should be fair and reasonable cost. But at the same time, we need to have access to a service manual or a schematic. You know, if there's concerns around liabilities and intellectual property, that can be addressed in a bill. Right. I really believe it's something that everybody's learned to work together, play better in the sandbox, right? Together. Right. You know, and, and it's unfortunate because it is affecting patients and, and it's putting strain on people like yourself, your staff, um, and, and your clients, which is your hospitals, your caregivers, your end users, your doctors, your nurses. Unfortunately, um, this is a nationwide issue and we yeah. keep we keep hitting it state by state. I really wish there was a larger federal platform that would really grab all the states and, and work on it together as one initiative instead of each state having a different plan. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of guests on from Ben Sing Wang, Perry Kerwin, um, Ben Scoggins, and everyone that I've heard from says patient care. Patient cares first, right? Um, I wish we could get the entire nation on the same platform. Let's talk about patient care. Let's not talk about all this other thing, but that will come in an agreement form, right? Right, right. And then, and then that's where the opponents, hospitals are concerned about patient care because that's what we do. We take care of patients. Mm -hmm. uh, opponents will at times, it feels like they're trying to introduce fear into something. And they will cite a number of X number of deaths and no number of deaths is acceptable, of course. Um, but what they sometimes omit to mention is that X number of occurrences occurred out of, in the, in the say the time period of the, say the FDA study, somewhere over a, I believe it was a billion mm -hmm. clinical procedures nationally between surgeries and X-ray CTs, MRs, injections, cancer treatments, all things that involved a piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. So as a whole, the process has been working, which corresponds with when the FDA did their report, they didn't see a smoking gun here. They didn't see an issue on the side of the manufacturers or the maintainers for them to jump in. Right. So let's just say the opponents, so to speak, um, win this battle, mm -hmm. right? Everything's in favor of what they're proposing. What do you think that outcome, how would that look for your facilities? Uh, I would predict we continue to see operating costs of equipment continue to rise, mainly due to being no options for the customers, no safety, no self-maintaining, no competition from independent service providers, et cetera. You know, this lack of competition means the manufacturers essentially become a monopoly 
and it also mean a hamper, a higher capital costs do the manufacturers being able to dictate to us, you know, our replacement cycles, uh, you know, to all the care providers and hospitals, you know, and this ultimately impact is on the consumers, both private and government. So, and this may be one of the takeaways here, I think, uh, for legislatures that if this doesn't come to pass, is that for the government, Medicare, Medicaid, healthcare facilities, operated county, governments, military hospitals, et cetera, they're in this struggle too. You know, the government does have more options than the public does. It, you know, it can either cut services somewhere else offered by the government, or it can raise taxes, you know, on their constituents to cover the increased costs. Or <laughs> it can just tackle fixing the original source of the problem by supporting right to repair legislation. Right. Yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying. This is a very important issue. Um, you know, our listeners out there, our viewers, if you guys want to weigh in, you know, I think the more that we become aware as a clinical engineering community and, you know, speak up, voices do matter, votes do count, and especially in something that is critical as this. So if you could talk to the BMETs out there in your neck of the woods, what would you want them to do? Would you want them to call their legislator? Like, how could they get involved? Because this directly affects, affects them. So my words to the field are for all the HDMs out there working for hospitals and clinics is they need to work with their government liaison departments within their facilities because those people know the right people to get in front of the right to reach out to regarding helping raising awareness. They can use the social media through LinkedIn. They can look at the alliance that was set up with um, Trimedics, uh, Croth Hall, Sodexo, uh, ABM, et cetera, um, and point to all these other supporting documents, et cetera, to help show if you don't have the right to repair hospital, your costs are going to go up. This is what they come to, can't believe if they're administrators locally. Your costs are going to go up. You're going to have to wait for equipment to be fixed, which means the patients suffer for having access to affordable care. Yeah. I agree. You know, I think if we had more patients aware of what's going on, right? And yeah. is these, the lawmakers, people that make these decisions can be patients themselves, right? Yes, yes. And they're also ultimately, besides medical, I mean, this, of course, automotive industry went down this path. They're, they're doing it right now, you know, for cell phones and appliances and everything else. But the concept of right to repair, it affects where you take your car to get your oil change, where you buy your tires. You know, if you have to get your refrigerator fixed, you know, what are you paying for it to get that repair? All of this ties together with competition. Mm-hmm. And that ties into what the FTC did as well for their paper they put out about helping support competition. Right. And, and it is, it's the dollar, right? It's a dollar in people's pocket because when, the hospital's paying more, the dealership is paying more, John Deere Tractor's paying more, whatever it is from the, that, that cost perspective, it's the price that goes up to the, the consumer, the customer. Well, yeah, right? it, it's a food chain. It's a food chain because say a hospital cost goes up, you know, first and foremost, I always be emphasizing on the safety and access, you know, timely access to care. Costs go up, yes, hospitals have to make decisions internally. They're a business, they have to make decisions. 
you know, are we doing raises this year? Are we doing uh, hiring, you know, refilling positions? Are we offering this to these underserved communities, you know, uninsured communities to provide care? It costs money to do it. Yep. I mean, if you own something, you should have the right to repair it, have the manuals, the service. Yeah. You should have that available to you. You bought it. You didn't buy yes. it. Right. Well, um, that's where I have seen some products in industries where they've, they've shifted to a SAAS or software as a service model. You don't truly own things. And it's kind of like how our phones used to be. You know, you, you just sign a phone plan to give you a phone. You're always paying your 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks a month. Yep. You know, indefinitely. Um, and that's where I think so, so I've seen some manufacturers do that too for the equipment where you, if you don't take a contract, they're not going to come out. I've had one, one manufacturer make a statement to that effect. Yeah, and I really feel for the smaller hospitals and smaller healthcare systems throughout the United States because they don't have the buying power or the negotiation power that you do. Correct. And right? that's correct. And, yeah. And there, there's many small hospitals serving millions of patients. You know, can this rural hospital operate one CT scanner? Well, if they can use, get trained, absorb some of the risk, or use a third party alternate provider. Now they can maybe cut some of that cost in half. Now they can technically afford to maybe run two machines mm -hmm. without having to, to severely compromise on something else in the services they offer to their patient community. I agree. And I really believe too, and this is this is something that I, I believe even to a cell phone is sustainability. And you should have the right to maintain that sustainable equipment if it's working to provide that care when you don't have the funds to purchase brand new. Again. Right. Right. If the device is still deemed clinically viable for providing safe, quality patient care, if the device can be put back into operate, you know, uh, original manufacturer specifications, yeah, you should be able to maintain it, you know, buy what you need to buy. So we're coming to the end of our podcast today, Mark, and something we'd like to close with is your wow word, your word of wisdom around right to repair. It could be a few words. I know it's a lot to put you on the spot, but maybe you can give something that, you know, is something that people can think about when they think about right to repair. Ultimately, like I said, from my, my perspective, it's about safety. Because I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been doing this for roughly 30 years. Uh, and besides that, I'm a father of five. One of my kids was born 11 weeks early. And so I looked at all the life support equipment my child was on. Same equipment when I was a tech, I used to fix myself. So I, you know, I know that, okay, these people are working on it. I'm comfortable. Um, it's, it's safety, but for the uh, legislatures and hospital administrators, it's awareness that, you know, you can request this it's something you don't just settle for the status quo you have the wallet you can ask i like that i like that i mean as we all know we could always ask the worst thing they could say is no right and if another manufacturer comes out with a competing product that says oh i'll do that guess where the business goes yeah 
Well, I really appreciate your view on patient safety, the right to repair, you know, calling to action the awareness. And I, and I, I think that's really important. Um, we really appreciate your time. You know, I'd like to follow up with you in a few months and see how things are going and see how things worked out there in your, in your home state. Um, I wish you the best of luck. And again, thank you for joining us on HTM Insider. Thank you. HTM Insider listeners, follow us on your favorite podcast locations, including iTunes, Spotify, and we look forward to hearing your comments and your input. Thank you again and have a great day.